Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Clappercast. I'm your host, as always, Carson Tamar. For an episode, if you know me, obviously, I'm very excited for. We're talking about Saw X. But before we get there, we have to mention who is on the show with me today. Kyle, Jack, how is everyone doing today? Happy October. I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm I'm very excited to be talking about the 10th Saw film. Never thought we'd be here. But, um, but it's going to be a good time. I'm also doing really good. I'm really glad to talk about a franchise that is sort of deep in the bottom of my heart, but I don't really have much affection for. I mean, it's strange because, like, like, like Kyle said, ten films in this franchise is quite scary. But we've been here before, Carson, to talk about Spiral, so I'm hoping that it's a bit different this time. Yes. I think it will be, but I'm just hoping so as well. I assume so. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll say out of the two franchises to reach ten films this year, out of this and Fast and Furious, <laughs> I'm a little bit more thrilled about this one than I was with Fast X. Um, but let's take a look at Sox, and then we'll come back and discuss the feature. The cancer is still spreading. I'm afraid there's nothing else we can do. There is one person who might be able to help. Our program is a two-pronged treatment outside Mexico City. The results have been stunning. She saved my life. You're in very good hands with us. After that, what happens then? Your whole life happens then. John Kramer. According to these scans, the tumor was never removed. How much time do I have? Months, at best. I still have a lot of work that needs to be done. So Saw X, if anyone's trying to keep track of the narrative of this franchise as far as timeline, I, I don't know why you are, uh, but it takes place between Saw 1 and Saw 2. John Kramer has learned that there is a possible treatment for his cancer, and he travels down to Mexico, but turns out it's all a scam. So you know what John Kramer is going to do? He's going to lock a bunch of people in a bunch of traps and make them do very brutal things to each other um, to teach them a lesson. I think that's the thesis. Uh, obviously, I'm a big Saw fan, so I'll just quickly start out because everyone. I, I remember Jack in the lead up. You were like, oh, I'm starting to have faith in this film. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Jack, we've been there with Spiral. <laughs> and not that I even hate Spiral. I like Spiral. Yeah. Like as a, I, I, like, I would like every film in this franchise, even if most are like one star films. I really was like, Jack, don't get your anticipation up. And then the early reviews came because there was no early screenings. So like Thursday night, the reviews started to roll in and people were like, it's amazing. People were like, this is genuinely the best Saw film. Easily, it's the best if you look at like Rotten Tomatoes. So I was like, oh my God, are we actually like, is this going to like do it? Like, is this going to be a great Saw film? So I saw it yesterday and I will say as a Saw fan, as a Saw stand, sorry, let's be clear. Um <laughs> I'm a little bit more mixed than most. I think oh. there's a lot good here. I think the cinematic quality is good. Um, I like the whole character exploration. This is not trying to be, and I appreciate any franchise that 10 films in, especially when you look at like Saw 3D or Jigsaw and just how cheesy and how uh, trashy in a lot of ways those films are. I appreciate when a film, a series 10 films in is like, oh, we're going to try to do a real movie and we're going to try to like breathe new life into a franchise. I appreciate all of that. But I do think... It is a little slow. And I do think as a Saw fan, I don't know if this is fully delivering what I want from this franchise, even if what they're giving is solid. I don't know if, and 
when I imagine when I saw the Twisted Pictures logo come up and I got this like giant smile on my face, this stupid fucking smile. I don't know if I was anticipating necessarily what they delivered, um, but I'm sure we'll get into it. What did y'all think of Saw X to begin us off here? I, I was really excited from the trailer for this one because my issues with the last two Saw films with Jigsaw and Spiral is that it felt like it lost uh, some of that energy that that the original films had it had that trashy kind of new metal stylings of the of the mid 2000s and it felt like kind of jigsaw and spiral kind of played it safe played it very generic and the trailer for this one made it look like like the return of that trash that i like um and, and especially with tobin bell as one of the leads which we haven't seen since saw three i think um and I, I'm kind of with Carson, kind of not. I think this is a top three Saw film, but like you said, most of this franchise is bad in very <laughs> unique ways. Um, I think that the pacing is is quite bad at times. I think I think it takes a long time to get into it. I think it's way too long. But I think once it gets there, I think it is a total blast. I think I think the traps are good. I think Tobin Bell is giving his best performance in this film. I think he's really out there he's really trying and i think that for a saw film it is it is pretty well plotted and and makes very logical sense is very consistent and uh yeah we can get into more specifics later but i i liked it overall i had a blast watching it <clears throat> yeah i'm gonna probably agree with both of your sentiments um i think i'll also put myself in the stand bracket I, i've seen these films since um, I think I, I, I went to a sleepover and maybe I think it might be all seven, I think. And I watched the, uh, the the third one and I was like, oh my God, what is this? And I remember seeing it in high school, um, the fourth uh, poster on a bus that had to be removed because it was so gory. So I, 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 it's like, it, it, I'm always on the benefit of this 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 project's working because they're all dumb, dumb fun, but they know exactly what they are. And um, I think, I, I, like you said, Carson, I was always, I've always optimistic but it always comes down to i know none of these are going to screen for critics so that's one thing that's a slight worry but the second one is when those all early reviews come out and it, and it, they bomb i just know what i'm going to get and i think the same thing happened with spiral for us and that people were like oh it's two two to one one and a half and i was like oh okay and then I, I get something from that film but not as much as i wanted to see this these were getting average reviews i was like oh here we go this is this might be something quite good actually and to be honest I agree with both of you, in, in, but in different ways. I quite like that it's long in a, in a sense that the, the Jigsaw, but specifically Spiral, and I think Spiral has a lot of influence on this film, is that with Jigsaw, they forgot that it's character that drives these plots, not just the spectacle. And with Spiral, they tried to meld the two together, but they didn't have Tobin Bell, Shawnee Smith, uh, and the, character, the, the guy who plays Mark Hoffman, these people we've known beforehand to sort of energize that narrative and then give us the, the, the spectacle. This, this is probably the, the, the film that gets two of those things right, the spectacle, and it gets the character. The problem with that is that I think I, I wrote this in my review on, on Letterboxd, is that the problem with this film is that it feels like a second origin story. And um, this is a far more personal type of, type of Saw film in the sense that we, we're going to dive quite deep into John Kramer's psychology and, and, and his own venom. But the problem with that is that we've seen this, we've saw that in, in Saw 2, we saw that in Saw 3, and then we get flashbacks in, in, in the latter ones, especially with his wife, Jill, and what we, what we know happened to his baby, and then the influence of Shawnee Smith there. We, we sort of, we've got that from nine films beforehand. So 
I, I wouldn't be able to argue that the length, the problem is, is that it, it wants to really, really drag this out. And I don't mind that because I like, I like in, 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 you know, seeing this character and seeing it before, but it's nothing necessarily new. I will say that um, I'm 27 years old and, and I've never really got squeamish in a cinema. And I've seen a few of these, the latter ones anyway. Um, so I would have probably seen Jigsaw onwards, which is not a lot, but I've seen, I've seen them, uh, the latter ones. And there's a sequence in this film where I generally wanted to be sick. I had, I just wanted, I wanted to leave. And it's and, and I know we'll get there in a bit, but there's that to me is is a type of horror that I haven't seen in a long time because we've gone through this win second wind of elevated heightened horror, which I've I've never got an issue with. I really quite enjoy it, but it's more so psychological, and, and dare I say it, it was really good to see some gore back on screen. So I I agree with Kyle as well. I'll say this is probably my top three. I know that's not great <laughs> within this franchise, but I, but I do think this is this feels like old school Saw in that one, two, three, and four rolled into one, and that's my era of Saw. So I, I, I was really glad to see this, and do you know it's getting really good reviews. It's doing some good money, and I'm all more for it. I th- this this franchise five years ago was dead. I mean, a decade ago it was dead. Uh, so to see it be revived and to get really good scores, I'm I'm really backing it. I'm really excited to see where they take this. But Saw X was fine, and I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think it wanted to be anything more. But I'm really glad that it was good. I'm just shocked to be fair than anything. Well, it's just wild. Like when a film, like I don't know, has basic like fil- like I know it's like a joke. But, like Saw 3D, the blood was not even red, right? Yeah. Like there's choices in these <laughs> films that you look at, and you're like obviously that is poor like when a film yeah. when it just returns to like hey we're gonna genuinely take like the traps and the technical side of things just seriously the impact it has where it's squeamish it's fun but it like takes itself in a way where you can respect it and you can get into it it feels like old saw in that way i feel like so much of that was lost when they started using more cgi and they got rid of practical effects it's mm-hmm. nice to see them kind of have a return to form in that sense um as far as visuals go um, I will say, I think the length, it, the issue I have with length, and maybe we can start there, is the just pacing in some th- scenes. The opening, especially when he travels to Mexico, for me, drags on and on and on. Because as a fan of the franchise, I know John Kramer is not going to get cured of cancer. Even if you didn't know the plot ahead of time as far as it being a scam, you know it's not going to work out for him, right? You know this is going to lead to a yeah. saw trap. I found it very difficult to sit there and engage for 30 minutes maybe on this whole setup of oh the ho and i think like there are moments like when he has the operation and then afterwards he's walking around and he has hope in his eyes and such like that's an effective scene but i don't know why that had to be so long once we actually get to the games it also takes so long between them where it's just him and amanda talking and i think that's good to a point i think it's worthwhile i like these characters like you mentioned jack but i feel like there has to be a way and maybe it's just changing around the structure and narrative to where you interject that backstory and you interject those moments throughout and you have the traps also throughout i don't know what exactly it is there um but i just didn't find it to be as effective as if you look like a horror film like um the conjuring the devil baby do it a random example like that film was so bleeding and with love and bleeding with their romance in every scene that i feel like it's really palpable and that emotion really hits i don't know if the emotions of this hits quite in the same way even the relationship between kramer and amanda which i would say like is the biggest factor here the biggest thing of substance um and i think it does add to a point you mentioned that we've seen that relationship before on screen i think it does add to it but like i don't know i feel so slow and drawn out at points that i was really struggling to feel like okay let's get to the point let's move on 
Yeah, I I found Amanda in general and her her thing with Kramer. I, I found it to be very repetitive at a point because, like you said, it, it, there's that there's that break between every trap, but nothing new is being said between the two of them. She's mad that a certain person is in the trap because she relates to to her past and and how she is, but it never it never amounts to anything. So it just kind of feels like uh, padding in a way. And and, and I, I totally agree with you in that the length isn't the problem if it was paced well, if I felt like they earned that length, but I don't. I felt like an easy 15, 20 minutes could have been cut and then it would be the length of the other Saw films, which are all like a, a tight 90. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would uh, just, just to further that as well, I think the idea of padding is a really good um, um observation because ultimately that padding is, is just genuinely fan service as well because we we know what amanda's struggle is is that you know she she has a, a rock of conscience with what she's what she's going to have to cope with once john kramer's gone but we got that in saw three you know there was a, there was a predominant amount of, of time between two and three where we we looked at those characters and those films are what an hour and 40 each so it's not like she hasn't not, not necessarily shawnee smith but it's not like that character hasn't had that on-screen um conversation before that on-screen thematic and I must admit the, the, the first 30 minutes it feels to me like it's trying to engage with an audience that isn't relevant not necessarily relevant with this franchise but um, wants to engage with an audience who is just jumping in to watch a horror film and then in, indulge in a character that's not essentially John Kramer but just this character who wants wants his hope of, of finding a cure and I think it, it tries to wrestle with that that the idea of wanting to scale itself into just this normal generic character who's fighting to survive and is seeing this this wonderful thing that might happen and cure him and then he's being taken it you know the wind beneath his wings and then it's trying to wrestle with that this is John Kramer what do we do with that and the two don't really mix very well because there's 40 minutes here of him like just being very very misty eyed and knowing what the character's like and then knowing that the character is very benevolent. Um, it's very difficult for an audience who, who know who John Kramer is to accept that, which is equally as frustrating as in, towards the end of the film when there's a certain character who like, name drops who he is. And I was like, yeah, like, let's remind the audience that we're, we're seeing someone who's like villainous. You know, it's not like we're watching an anti-hero. It's quite a villainous character, but I, I agree. There's a lot of pre-meddling material here to justify what's happening on this trip. And you know it's interesting because it, there's a bit in the beginning which I thought was 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 quite um, not near endearing, but interesting is when he sees an orderly was going to um, pinch and steal off a off a person who's in hospital, and there's this this thought process where it's sort of like a ah we got you where he has this trap and he puts him in a trap and it's it but it's the thing that I thought was really interesting about it is that well it, it wasn't um, it wouldn't kill him it, it was it was it maimed him but it wasn't harmful to his life. It's interesting that the film is then trying to project to you that actually John Kramer's this whole thing that he's gone through against these characters, this is the reason why he's going to be, it's life or death, which I was like, ah, okay, but that's two seconds in the first 10 minutes, then you then are going to go in for another 30 minutes. It just felt like it got lost. If that was the ideology the film was putting forward is this is the reason why John Kramer went, you know, to, dialed it to 11. I, I sort of get that, but for me, there was a lot of meandering with Amanda, but I, Amanda Shawnee Smith, like, which like who, who she was looked like in a, in a in a wig that was black. It was dead weird because she I always thought she had brown hair, but this was like jet black, dead weird. And I was like, oh okay. So to me, it's like this constant feel of meandering. I think it 
this feels like a director's cut as well. It feels like let's just throw 20 minutes of scenes in. I think if you watch Saw 3, that's got a, I think all of them have extended cuts until about, well, unrated editions anyway, but the first, the second and third one most definitely have extended editions and they have certain sequences that add very much vulnerable character moments. This felt like that to a degree where it was pushed to like the max. Very interesting, but again, I wouldn't argue that those were unneeded. I think you could definitely do that first act in 10 minutes and do you get the emotional, um, uh, you know, mix of that? I think you probably would do as well. I mean, these are horror fans that are coming here for one reason, one reason only. And I do think it sort of just part the bus on that thematic quite a bit at the beginning, to a degree where I was like, oh, this is, we're, gonna, we're definitely getting into psychology. <laughs> we're definitely getting to, it's just a very strange film for, for Tobin Bell, but he, he does wrestle with that really well as an actor. I think credit, credit where credit's due, that first 40 minutes for him as an actor, he's probably as much as he's been able to showcase in this franchise and does a really good job at it as well. Yeah, I mean, I love Saw for the camp side of things. So Tobin Bell, when he's, like, doing the book signing in one of them and he just wears a backwards cap to, like, hide himself, like, I will always love that. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah. But, like, as an actor, absolutely socks is the best turn he's had of this franchise. Like, really impressive at moments. Mm-hmm. I think not just, like, because he hasn't necessarily had a lot of moments to shine in that sense. But, like, I don't know. I was really impressed. I'll say that's probably the biggest highlight of the film for me. Yeah, they've, um, they've, never, they've never been able to recoup the loss after the third film as well. Because I remember the, the whole idea was that James Bond wanted to do a trilogy. He didn't want to do the, the sequels, but he produced them. I think, I think him and Lee Winnell wrote the second one as well. Um, is that just have a trilogy. And then I think once it started to make quite a lot of money, after that third film, you then have to reinvent the wheel, and they, it was like mini trilogies in themselves. And then they, 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 at the end, when you get to final chapters, this this thing where you have to bring it full circle. And I always remember there was all this, always this comment about Carrie Elwes coming back and doing it, but Carrie Elwes coming back and doing it. And I appreciate the fan service of it, but they've always struggled to have that 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 lead um, formidable actor because it, it, there was an issue in Jigsaw when they couldn't they couldn't do it. I don't even know is it Logan Nelson the, the actual character. It's like what. No, no, no. It just there's no charisma. And then with with the Chris Rock thing with Max Mangella, that also suffered really, really poorly of, of having a, a monstrous character who could who could dual role that. And I think Tobin Bell here is a perfect example of you just want to keep what you can for as long as possible in this franchise. If that ever tells anyone anything in what it was writing, keep these people around because you'll just suffer for like six films. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. Um, th- th- one of the main strengths of this movie is just Tobin Bell being the lead character, not the not the secondary lead like he was in Saw Two, Saw Three. The lead main character, um, and I, I kind of want to get into some of the traps because oh. I know that I I know <laughs> that Carson and I are going to disagree because I saw his letterbox review and he was not too hot on him. But I thought they were. I thought it was a great collection of traps. I I, I thought so, some of them made me visceral in the theater. Oh. I, 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 there was one specific one. I don't know how deep we want to get into spoilers or go anything. for it. Yeah, um, the one that the one that really gets me is the is the the leg cutting. Oh my god! No, no. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um. Anything. Anything with like very thin wire cutting people is like a is a big no no for me. And so watching that was particularly difficult um but no i i thought the traps were super unique super fun i like the i like the one with the the two chains and the radiation on her face and what the biggest laugh i got in this whole movie is when the when the radiation thing moves to follow (laughs) her i 
Yeah. <laughs> um, such a great bit of dark comedy. Yeah. But no, all of that stuff and 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 kind of I think that this batch of actors that are in the trap are are one of the better are, are some of the better actors in the Saw films because I've seen some of the previous Saw films. It's like porn acting sometimes with the people in the traps. <laughs> it's like it's it's terrible. But this most of these people are are pretty believable. Um except a certain character when they turn villainous. I thought that was uh silly. Mm-hmm. Um, but but until that point, I thought everyone was very uh, was very good in it. No, it yeah. was perfectly silly. She is like is so funny throughout as she's hyping people up. I don't know if any of you. I watched Survivor and it was giving like Jeff Probst like when someone like falls on their head in a challenge. He's like, keep going, you got this. Like I was laughing throughout because of her. And then like that's where I think the saw camp really works is when she turns villainous. I thought that actually was like really fun. I love her. I was like, and I'm excited that like I don't, I'd be open to seeing her do more stuff in this franchise with yeah, how they end things. Like it was a very interesting end, wasn't it as well. Right. I mean, I'll I'll echo Kyle because I'll be honest. The, the, the actual like the um the got got your pants down. The, the first one where they ordered it, I thought that was absolutely horrific to watch. I'd never, I never it remembered when it just felt to me when it was like the angel of death when they ripped open the rib cage and I think it, I think it's probably either the third or fourth one. I think it could be the the opening of the third, and I was like, this is haunting. Like, there's just so much like visceral reaction there, but it's also visually quite difficult to, to witness. So I thought that was quite difficult. The, the first one in, in Mexico was also very difficult when, when he's got to, um, to cut those bombs off. I thought that was that was quite difficult to watch. But I'll be honest, the, the Veronica sequence with the leg generally has traumatised me to a point where I, I had such a reaction that I generally thought I had to like, there's only there's only three of them left, there's only three of them left, there's only three of them left. I, I don't get, like, I have those reactions with, with, with horror because it, just, it's just so institutionalised now. But to, to watch something that was going for something and to do it in a way that they did, that it just, the noise, the sound design was off-putting, the visual, it never wanted to pull away. And the fact of the matter is as well, it's like, it's just the noise. It's the noise. And then I remember just sat there thinking like, I just want to be, I just felt sick. I physically felt sick. And I was going to take my wife to go watch it. And she was like, I don't really like gore. I was like, it won't be gore. The last ones are not gore. I was like, fucking hell, was I wrong? So, oh my God. I was I was sat in the aisle, I thought. And I sat, um... I don't know. I don't know if I had to, like an AMC, but you know what cinemas like. You have the three, and then you have everyone else, don't you? I sat on the three in the corner where the, the actual um, sound bar was above me, and it could. It was like vibrating <laughs> on my shoulder, and she was like, "It's like da da da," and then she was like cutting her leg off, and I was like, "Oh!" I generally wanted to puke. So after that, I think it did die down. But trap wise, like Kyle said, that radiation part there is so sick and twisted in a, in a more Wink, wink, nudge, tongue in cheek thing. Where she's like, "You did it. You can just, you know, you can just." And she, she, she twists and that, and then it just goes, drops, and goes, and then turns back on. And it's like, and she starts screaming. I was like, "That is horrifying to watch, but it's so well done." Um, the the Matteo one is is vile, but it, it felt interesting that it, having watched the third one when we watch uh, the doctor actually perform brain surgery, I was sort of slightly less leveled at that. I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Like a parallel almost because we're going to ultimately see that. The chronological events. I was slightly disappointed in um, in the pig blood at the end with the two, because the the waterboarding was was very interesting. But to bring the, obviously they bring a third party in there, which works for a motive core because the film then needs to needs to feel some desperation because it's it's you know someone out of it. But I think it would still have worked well with Amanda and him because then it was like wow. But we both know what's going to happen. So we, we both know. We all know what's going to happen if you're a fan of the franchise. So it's quite difficult to like 
So is he going? Is a kid going? Are they going to go for the kid? So I, I appreciate that there's that endeavor where you don't know what's going to happen to, to fully comprehend the sequence itself. But I just thought the execution of it was a very strange type of trap as well. Something we 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 haven't seen before, but not nothing that fell um, uh, had really strong iconography, especially with what you've seen everything else. But I, I I'll give this to the film. If I was going to give anything more more of a benefit, I'd say that. The fact that everything was brought down a level to be quite intimate helped those sequences in itself. If they were separate scenarios, I would have felt more underwhelming. But the way I thought this was going to be constructed, that when they're all in the room and and, and he's in there with Shawnee Smith, with, with Amanda, and he's talking to them all, I thought that was how we were going to proceed, that we were going to be in that room and he would be there watching them and it'd be very intimate. But then there's that pacing issue that you said earlier, Carson. That's what annoyed me more is that we would enter the room, then we would stop. We'd go have a conversation in, in, in the, the overseer um, panel at the top where, where we find out with the, the, the twist. But then they come back, then we do it again, then we come back, then we do it again. And to me, I felt that was more repetitive than the opening. But granted, I think I needed that respite to, to, to then be like, oh, <laughs> I needed that on a personal level more than anything. So... I think watching it again, I probably would twist it like you two. I think I'd have it more issue with the opening being so slow to get into it. But I did think that the the the, the, the actual time between the traps was mostly comments that that Carl said, just pandering, just just padding to get these characters. We've already, we had, I just want to get to the point. So it was. I just felt like um, it was a difficult one to sort of associate myself with to then be like, oh, this is horrifying. We're going to pause and be bored. Oh, this is horrifying. It was like that really strange. Moment, lack of momentum in in that second and third act, and then when we get the twist with another thing with a guy, I was like, really? Is does not anybody know where this is going? But other than that, I, th- I think as on a visceral level, it was it, it really did bring its A game to the gore anywhere. <laughs> Let's be clear. I think the traps are like effective in being gross. Um, I, like I actually plan to go back and see this again. I know they're showing it in 40x. I like it's God. a once in a lifetime experience. I have to do. I, so, I want to yeah. be like as they're cutting the leg. I want to be like squirted with water, like it's blood. Like I want to be there doing that. Um, also, that scene might have been a little better for me because I do this thing where I count every physical saw in a saw film. So at least there, that was the one trap where there were saws. So I was like, hell yeah, I get to count two of them. Yeah, um, no. Definitely, like, technically well-executed, very gross. My biggest issue comes from the lack of unique iconography within this franchise, Mm -hmm. even spiral to a point. If you look back at each film, there are traps that, like, oh, they're memorable. And here there are a couple. I think the Mateo's death, like, the final moment of that specifically is memorable. Um, The opening eye trap, I like. I see why everyone, why they're, like, promoting it so heavily. The payoff for that, I think, is kind of, like, disappointing. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't know if they fully push that how I you know, my sick and twisted saw stand mind would like them to. Um, but the rest of them, like we've seen people perform brain surgery, as you mentioned, we've seen them have to take flesh from themselves. I get, there's only so many, you know, things you can do, but it feels like it was just so like, we've seen this before. Yes. It's gross. Cause naturally seeing people, you know, cut open their brains are gross, but it isn't providing something new to where I'm going to look back at Saw X and be like, oh, here's all the great traps from that moment or from the film. And here's all the great things I remember. It felt very standard, well done. 
Um, but it wasn't necessarily as like shocking as maybe I would like to have with just ideas and concepts. I mean, compare the creativity in this to like Saw 2, where in Saw 2, you have so many unique and instantly iconic traps that really like you don't know where it's going. And then you're like, oh, God, a pit of needles or even when they stick their hands in the, like the box. There's so much there. And here for me, it just felt a little bit boring as far as the concepts of the traps. But yes, I mean, absolutely still gross, still, you know, plenty of blood, um, looks really, really good, all the traps. Um, but I just don't know if that fully provided what I was like looking for as a soft fan, especially when you take into account the slower pacing, especially when you change up just the style of what the traps looks like. It's not like they just wake up and they're in it like normal, like as a soft fan who I, I can appreciate trying new things. I don't know if I fully got like what I wanted out of a soft film with those moments. Yeah, and I mean, also what exacerbates that concern you have there, and I think I think that, I think it's an issue. I think a lot of people will have is that it's the padding that Kyle said as well. When we actually deter from th those moments that we've come to see, that the, the the actual dialogue we have is so padded out and so repetitive and so in self indulgent in a way that it doesn't evolve anything. It just feels like we're going in a circle. It then it, 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 it feels quite a di difficult relationship on screen then to be more immer immersive in, in the material itself. So then when we go back to the actual trap yourself, I think on a, on a subconscious level, you're, you're, you're wanting it to be so good that we, we, we spend more time in it. And each time we go back and back and forth, back and forth, it just feels like it's slightly underwhelming. I do think that there's, there's, again, like I mentioned before, there's certain ideas here where it's pretty grim, but I think the film isn't sort of more... In, internally wanting to to look at the actual design itself because I do remember that um, I think Jigsaw did this in a weird way where it wanted to self-examine like oh look at the traps we found here and there was this throwback where it could indulge in what we'd seen before and have a bit of fun with it um, here it doesn't even want to indulge in those traps at all I think the, the, the one thing is the Gabriella thing with the radiation that felt so personal because of how we how we split it up and because Gabrielle as a Gabrielle as a character is is um is is very much out of these the least of the of the vile person in a way, but she, nevertheless she's still part of the crew. It felt even more substantially um, difficult to watch that, and that's I think that what the film works in that it's putting vulnerability on screen and then and and, and ultra torturing the audience through that, and it's very captivating in a very strange sense of, of of the word, but nevertheless it's very very emotive. Everything else is just I, I think I think the Matteo one is the prime example is that. Okay, I've seen that, so I'm just going to have to with, 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 like withhold myself and be like, oh, okay, let's watch this. I bet it's just brutal. But then you've got, to, I, I guess the idea is, what do you then do with it? Because it can't elevate it, and then the material they're reusing it, but you're not having any substance behind it either, you know? Because because Matteo technically isn't the one who operated on his head anywhere, so it's like, oh, that's interesting. Because I, I I would have thought, well, are we not going to then? make this weird ironic twist where each one gets their own comeuppance because that's what Jigsaw used to do, didn't they? The Amanda with the needles because she was a heroin addict. There's multiple other ones that have this sort of resonance, this ironic resonance between the trap themselves and the character. This one didn't feel like it had that. It felt like it was just quite nasty. And I think in a weird way that if you have that resonance between trap and character, I think you can find more immersive um not enjoyment that sounds sadistic but sort of this 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 um ironic twist of like oh my god this means more personal than you're more in, um, enamored with the actual sequence itself i think that's the issue here that it doesn't have that but i'd be i'd be interested to see what you both think but for me i just there wasn't enough 
connection between the trap and the actual subject that felt personal in a way. But granted, the whole film is a personal ride of, of John Kramer's sadistic intent. So perhaps that I may be wanting a bit too much there. I don't know. I mean, that's just a basic, like, logic of what the franchise was. Like, for those first few films. Yes. I get, like, with Spiral, I have no issue with Spiral. And even, like, after Jigsaw dies and it goes to, like, Amanda, like, I'm fine with that because it's not John Kramer's logic creating the traps. But, like, that was what it, that was the gimmick, was that it was always tied in. Even in this film, the eyeball trap with the fingers, it's tied to it. Like, they acknowledge it to a point and then they just lose it. Maybe you want to claim, like, oh, John Kramer's so caught up in anger and trying to do it quickly, he couldn't theme it or something. But, like... I know I agree that was a big thing that was just missing mm-hmm. yeah no I, I I guess I didn't think about that when I was watching it but but you saying it back that is yeah that's his mo for the first three films and yeah the, these traps do feel more like Hoffman traps where it's kind of impersonal very showy very mean mean-spirited because because Hoffman as a character is much more like mean-spirited than than um, than Kramer um it still mostly worked for me because I was taking it as like a group effort. He is just so pissed at everybody because they are the reason that he is going to die now. So just to throw them all in and he's kind of uh, stating that they're all uh, implicable in this, this terrible thing that they did to him. So even, even though Mateo didn't do the brain surgery on him, him having to perform it on himself just kind of shows that they are all culpable for what happened. To Indeed, him. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would, I would probably agree with that, but I, I still think with Carson, I think it, it, it's strange. It feels strange where I think I don't know if you said this, Cal. Do apologize, but it, this feels like it, it. It it feels like it. I think aesthetically, this is a film that is trying to echo the sentiment in a visual aesthetic, especially with its editing and its cutting, to be like the first four Saw films. But the problem with that is that it has the um, visual sense and, 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 and all the tonal sense of the latter view, which is good and bad, and I think the melding is fine. But the problem with that is that you, it's then, this is quite a very... I mean, I've, I've always presumed that John Kramer's MO was that he'd never make it personal, because every, every... And this is within the franchise itself. Every character that did that, Specifically, Mark Hoffman with uh, with what Amanda did, ultimately has a comeuppance, and it also hap- the only person who gets away with it is, is John Kramer. Now, here the idea is that he's going to get personal with this, but he's still going to give them the choice, which I thought was a very interesting sort of technique to have. But then again, it still felt a very, very, very um, personal and sadistic venture for someone to get the the comeuppance. And because he's so withdrawn in a, in a way that he's very stoic as a performance, um, especially as a character when we see it, you don't get that vulnerability to sort of him even indulge with that sentiment of, is this too personal? But he's he's so reassured in what he's doing. It doesn't give the audience that second guess to be like, oh shit, actually, maybe Amanda's right here. Maybe he has gone too far. I think if it had little breadcrumbs of that, this would be a far more engaging film on a personal level. But because it doesn't, I'm just watching it and thinking, well, I think Amanda's right. You're, you're just going too deep in this. But then because the film eventually wants to reveal him as being this all-encompassing godlike entity being that he knows everything, every single, you know, Christ what he's like in Las Vegas. He'd probably come away well on, the, on the slots, like, you know, millions of dollars every day. But he has this, like, this, this ESP ability to see, to see in the future and to, to understand other people's um, processes. 
It oh. just felt like it, I just felt like it was slightly underwhelming the fact that we knew where it was going to go. There was a lot more they could have done here in the sense of right. Well, because because there is this little flirtation towards the end about he was he was the unseen um, part of the plan and and you know and it does make that's the, probably the best part of the film because you don't know what's going to happen to that child. But the problem with it, it feels so inconsequential because we're watching two characters here go through this and you just know. You just know nothing's going to happen to him. So I did feel like it could have re- removed a lot of baggage and had a little bit more um, empathy with itself and be like, well, maybe we should just play with this idea and play with that. But, you know, I suppose it's been 10 years and there's been some shit ones, so play it safe. And I don't, I don't, I don't mean that in a condescending level either. I, I just think that uh, it might be because the film is kind of torn between two worlds of wanting to do something different and wanting to stay the same. Yeah. And in all the in all the previous Saw films, that's just how Kramer is. He is the all-encompassing, all-knowing, all-seeing God. He has predicted everything that's going to happen to a T. That's just kind of the Saw formula. That's kind of the campy fun behind it. But it, it, it can feel a little awkward coming from something that feels so different from the other films yeah it feels like yeah it feels like a capper for one of the old films but that's not exactly what this new one is so it can feel kind of tonally dissonant yeah and and it's also internally having to deal with that as well because this film is set between the first one and the second one so it has principal hits that it has to touch upon it has to it it knows from a to b where this is going to go so i appreciate that and i also to to it to its plaudits you know there's also um, swings and roundabouts here. It has to hit. He's also mentioned Norway in a previous film about wanting to get a cancer treatment. He's also been misdiagnosed before this, which ultimately exacerbates what we're seeing in this film. So there are there are breadcrumbs here that go to the overall franchise. But um, th- the best thing about this film, and I'll maybe get onto a bit later, is that it doesn't feel like it's indulging in that it has to hit marks like a prequel or a mid sequel does. It felt like um, it could at least stand on its own two feet, and I think for the long run it does. The two issues I have with that, and I don't know if, if I'm jumping the gun here, is obviously the two additions of sub-characters. One, right, that, that is so such fan service with, with, with Shawnee Smith, which I actually really like her as an actress. She's so underrated in this franchise as well. Why they had to show her in the trailer is unbeneath to me, because that affectionate when we actually get her as a reveal is so good. Because we haven't seen, she's dead. We haven't seen her in ages. The, the fact that they ruined that in the trailer, and also no one's going then thinking, wait, Tobin Bell's back. I don't think I'm going to go. Wait, Shawnee Smith's back. We've got to buy those tickets. No one's doing that. Let's let's be quite honest. All power to Shawnee Smith. I love you to pieces as well. But if they would have hidden that, that'd have been so effective. It's the other one for me where I'm like, that are you? Because tr- because that that mentorship we haven't seen on a personal level like we have with Shawnee Smith. And Shawnee Smith's character, Amanda, has real issues about moral consciousness and empathy within, within her role in, the, in this franchise. Mark Hoffman's character doesn't. Mark Hoffman's character goes after the person who killed his sister and then ultimately causes absolute havoc within this world, which I think is very interesting. Now, if that mid-credit sequence, I know this is spoiling, I do apologise, I'll jump the gun, but the, the, I'll give the benefit of the doubt here, because if that, that sequel bit there is trying to imply that we're going to see their partnership and how he very much like Amanda chose what he was going to do and chose that he was going to go against the game it'd be interesting to see them to discuss their psychological input of what they're going to do here the 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 empathy the, the empathy the morality question here if that's going to be a film next I'll, I'll be there to see it but to bring him in to, and, and then if they don't do that 
is going to feel quite underwhelming because that to me felt like empty fan service, especially in the same basement where you've got Lee Winnell's character dead on the ground. And like, well, that's fan service, that's fair enough. But I think we've gone past that now. You know, we, we, we've, but again, Kyle, it's what you said. If that's going to be then, because that to me is the film where we can really find some stuff out there. If that's going to be just padding for two hours again, I'm not, I'm not really, really interested in it. But, you know, I, I, again, I appreciate that it, this had walls it, it, it couldn't hit and there's other tunnels that it could go through. And I think it does a good job there. I think overall, I think it, it stands on its own two feet. But I've never, I've never known a film to, to have be a sequel, but be set between two films. I don't know if it's, it's not the first time, I'm sure, but it's like such a sore thing to do as well. And there's one thing that does annoy me. There's no um, crane POV shot of the two buildings that then go into a different. That's so shit. Why they didn't do that? Like, give me the edit. Give me the edit. Give me the Lawrence Arabia match cut edit. You bastards. They could have done that, and they, ne they never ever gave me it. So I'm disappointed. But other than that. I think fan service-wise, it did quite well. The only issue I had with it being between one and two is that sometimes it feels a bit too high-tech for when it's supposed to be set. Mm. I it, Just because Kramer's traps, if you look at the first two Saw films, besides like the reverse bear trap, are very simple like a box with razors or a pit of needles. Like mm -hmm. he, he we, we only started getting the really high-tech like chain-based Saw ones like late, later Saw. And so seeing some of those, I was like, ah, it could have been a little, like, uh, lower quality, I guess, uh, simpler. I, and that was more of a problem with Jigsaw, where, like, it was set before the first one, but there's, like, flat screen TVs <laughs> and, like, a bunch, and lasers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um... Despite that, like it's it's a it's a minor it's a nitpick. But I'm gonna I'm gonna actually echo that because I, I think that's that's the thing that people watch this and don't give um, this film not necessarily the shit it deserves with that to regard. But I do think that there's a lot of fans there that that I, I can find that quite patronising on, on a certain level because it's someone who like you said, Kyle, it's someone who watches this. We know when it's set. I think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D did it as well like, with a fucking iPhone in 1978. Oh. And I think it's quite patronising to people who, who paid the ticket, who like that that franchise, and who like that that mythology. I think you've got to be very, very careful of not um, in, um, uh, being condescending to them. But I do agree with you. I think the first two felt like um, it, it, the characters had to make decisions, and those the results of those decisions would then inform the, 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 their future. This one got straight into Saw Four. Right, there's two people in a room. One of them's going to die. What are you going to do? Like, like Saw Six. Like, what are you going to do? And it was like, well, we're, we're jumping the gun here because Jigsaw as a character in the law was very mythological, not, not so of it was like very psychological in the fact that he would sit with Donnie Wahlberg's character and he would say, in 90 minutes, if you stay here, your son will be, will be here and he'll be fine. And it's that psychological torment, is, is he right, is he not? I think the first saw did it brilliantly, just him sat in the room. This to me, and on a, just to echo what you said, Kyle, felt like we're pushing this to a saw five, six, the jigsaw we've got we've got four people in a room and that the, the you know the, the, they're cutting toes off and, and ears and stuff and it was like oh well this is a, this is just feels strange to be in this environment I, I know I sort of even agreed to the traps though as well they felt extremely high level especially with um, with the radiation thing I don't know <laughs> it felt especially like especially considering it's in Mexico like yes. where he has no resource I don't know where you get the giant sci-fi radiation gun just like being a tourist in Mexico, but I guess that's what he did. How he got Billy the puppet there? I have no idea, but I'm down yeah, for it. But like, did he put it through customs? That's odd. That's weird. And th this is a quick secession film as well. It's not like he had a month. 
I think he's after the second day, like he, he goes to get the, uh, the the taxi driver. Yeah, I agree with you. It's he those... called Amanda and he said, "Bring the puppet, bring the radiation <laughs> yeah, yeah, gun yeah. from the basement." Yeah, yeah, we're good. <laughs> no, I agree with so, you completely. Someone commented, uh, I forget who said this. It was on Letterboxd, but they said that this is kind of a saw film for the superhero era. And I can kind of see what they oh, mean. Wow. There's, a mid, there's, there's a mid-credit scene with a big cameo. There's some fan service. There's even a scene early where he's he's drawn a little saw trap in a little notebook he has. <laughs> um, it's just, yeah, and I, I can kind of see that. Uh, and I don't like mean that in a negative way. It's just it's it kind of a saw film for the movie era that we're in. Um, for better or for worse. Yeah, the formula, definitely. Now you mention it, it's quite on the nose. Yeah, it's. I think that the problem with this franchise is, and it's the same thing that happened to Paranormal Activity, is that these films were so cheap to produce that even if they didn't do very well, like the fourth, fifth, sixth one, they still produced them. It was only when quality waned into a degree where, like, because they kept they kept the um, like ten million for so on, then the, 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 you know twelve, fifteen, sixteen, and then it would like be brought down to ten for the fourth, fifth, and sixth ones due to having no no star in it. So the business model is quite practical. You know, you, you, you make your money back purely on the first on, on midnight previews, and then bang, you bring them on Halloween. And um, what what happened was is that they could, ne- they could never evolve the story, so they never ever elevated anything. So you get the same thing. And then when Paranormal Activity came, and then just defrauded it. Uh, ironically from from the same producers as well um and i think one director as well um the problem is is that paranormal activity is then so cheap to finalize like it's 800 grand then a 1.2 million but the same thing happened with that you had to elevate the material i think that with the last three we've got they've been able to ramp up the the budget but with that elevate the material to a degree where we're going to get something a little bit different i hope that's what what happens going forward and they don't stagnate but that being said after 10 films here, and especially with, I, I thought Jigsaw would just make so much money because it was going back to the, you know, they had a, a, a pretty interesting twist, two, two timelines, which is a first. Well, technically not a first because Saw 2 did that, but it was interesting and, and the actual production design looked, looked okay. Tobin Bell was back in it for a little bit, bits and parts. But it just feels here that it's, it's definitely crafting itself for a certain audience to be indulged in. And I don't think Saw's ever done that consciously to be like, well, who... We're going to make films and they'll come to us. Saw now has to make films and hope people come to them. Um, and, and I don't think it's been that position. But with the formula it's got, you know, yeah, I think it's fine. I, but like you said, it's it's very on the nose. And, and I just hope that doesn't then speak to the franchise and dictate that how that's going to go. Because that's usually what's, what the fan service will do. Well, we want this next. Yeah, but we haven't got that idea. But we want that next. So, you know, do it. Or you know we'll have a, a fucking David Ayer version. It just there's there's got to be a point where there's there's a lot of granted Saw's not on the level of a DCEU, but once you have an audience dictate to a creator what they want, you're you're fighting a battle you ain't gonna win. So it'd be interesting to see where this this goes. I don't think people will be lining the, the streets with jigsaw masks and be like, we want David Ayer cut or anything like that. You know, Kevin Gray cut or like that. We want James Wan back. But it, it will be, a, it's a very personal audience, a very internal audience, and very, there's a select few, but there's a, there's a lot of diehard fans out there, and this franchise has deserved to come back, because if you look at what's out there now, you know, like the likes of Barbarian, like physical horror is coming back in a way that yeah. if you can just maintain it and keep the budgets down, this could do quite well, and it's really nice to see it back and, and, and indulge in itself. I hope the future of this is brighter than what they're doing with Scream, as I'll say. Um, I think well, that's a really interesting it. comparison, <clears throat> Cast Naturally. 
that if you wanted to go into that, that's a really let's get into that in one second. I, yeah, I want to say quickly is like I will say I think saw taking the break between this and even like let's say saw the final chapter, but even Jigsaw not kind of really spiral. I think is the best thing for it. There's a whole new age, a whole new generation out there who can discover these films and the Saw franchise. I know this is going to sound like sacrilegious to some. It is made for the TikTok generation. <sighs> I'm sorry. You can throw any of these traps on TikTok. You get that two-minute clip. Boom. That's going to go viral. The teens are going to roll in. I could easily see Saw blowing up through like social media and such and coming back. And luckily, I think this has such a reception. Like It's going to have another film. And like I don't know. As a Saw fan, as long as it doesn't change what the franchise is, I'm here for it. Um, but I know you want to go into Scream. No, so. the, the, the Scream, I, I also want to touch on the David Gordon Green thing as well because you know we, we, we're seeing a lot of stuff come back recently. And um, we, we, it's interesting because the, the, the Scream is a franchise that didn't, that didn't die because it was rubbish. It just died out because it, there was a next evolution of, of horror that came in. Because Scream 4 is quite a good little Scream film you know, with a late, great Wes Craven. I think Jigsaw is fine. I think Spiral is fine. But when you look at Saw 3D, that is horrific. And then when you look at the when you look way. at yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I think there's a lot of fun to be had there. But for for quality wise, I mean, like it's horrible. Yeah, it it literally like looks like it's shot in, in like Canada on like 1.6 million dollars. <laughs> Someone had a vacation home after that film. But when you look at like the Halloween film, then you know, there's an emphasis to make Halloween because they went to just nothing. You know, Halloween Resurrection just went to nothing. And then you get people who bring it back. And the first one, the first reincarnations of it, like Scream, Halloween, and stuff like that, um, they all come back and they play it very safe. They play it very, like, very much like The Force Awakens in a way where it's very simple. We can bring an audience back. It's always those second outings for me that are very strange because you've got to then get to grips with making something distinctively different from 11 films before. Your director wants to do something different. Your writer wants to do different, something different. But your audience want the same thing. And I think the same thing has happened to Scream, that the same thing that happened to Halloween. I just hope that the same thing doesn't happen here because I've, I know I've mentioned this on Slack with, with, with everyone who writes at Clapper and stuff like that, and, and, and I'm going to say this here. Right? I've, I've seen that the, the I'm going to, this is going to sound terrible, but I've seen the, I'm, I'm debating with me to say this all day, but I'm going to say it. I saw the Excesses Believer trailer, right? And I'm, honestly, the one thing I'm glad that William Freakin's not here to see that because I think it's such a dishonest <laughs> and, and quite. Um, um, morally bankrupt idea to, from for the two minutes trailer I saw on screen, and I'm like, you know, the trailer's not everything. Look at um, uh, the, the 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 thing with Matt Damon in France and stuff like that. There's a lot of trailers that that, that give off impressions that are not actual reality. But if that wants to be an Exorcist trailer, I want to be an Exorcist film, then I'll 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 run for office. Like seriously, the problem you've got is that people forget what makes the first ones brilliant and it's because there's no preception of what they're going to be. Nobody thought Halloween was going to be what it was. Nobody thought William Freakin's X is what it was going to be. Scream and the same with Saw. But they, they run a course where they ultimately catch up with themselves and I just, I just don't want to see this go into the hands of someone who doesn't give a shit about it. I'm glad that they brought people back I mean, the, the guy who made this made, made the, the, the third, fourth, and fifth one and also edited them, and then he went to go make Paranormal Activities. Uh, I'm glad they brought him back, but I would like to see Lee Winnell come back to this. I would like to see James Wan touch on this, produce it at least, and just make sure it's steered into good hands. Because if not, like what Carson said, I can see this being curated for an audience that wants the gore, and it's the same issue that happened with it beforehand where it forgot about the character's you know, they're bringing Don, Donnie Wahlberg back in the fourth one. It's like, oh, that's good fan service. 
uh, you know, they bring Cariel always in the back in, in, in the seventh or whatever, in the seventh one there. It's like, oh yeah, but it's fan service. But th- those were not characters who drove the screenplay. It was it was a cop who you'd never known before. It was a marvelled character who was thrown into this this cesspool of like, what do we do with this psychological moral ambiguity? That's what made this franchise work. This can only go so far with how this then projects itself with the Tobin Bell, Amanda, and Mark Hoffman, because we all know their ends. So you've got a line there. So the, the, the reason why I just bring the Exorcist thing up is because you can go anywhere with it, anywhere, and what do they do? They make the same thing. So I just hope this also doesn't play it safe. I can see this going anywhere. I like that it went to Mexico in a way, you know? Go on, Kyle, go on. I, I, the, okay, I got to say two different things. Um one, uh, just a slight correction. I think that I think that Kevin directed Saw six and seven. I think that. Oh right, made, okay. I think I think he did. You're thinking of the he edited all who did Spiral. Yes, yes, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Darren Lynn Bowsman is who you think. Ah, that's yeah, because yeah. yeah, Lynn Bowsman went to go to, to do the Paranormal Activities. He, he went over to a rival franchise. I know that because he went against the previous film, and I think it was Paranormal Activity, and it just it bombed it out of the water. Yeah, but yeah, but uh, Kevin, Kevin Gray has also been, just for clarification, like you said, I think he has been the bones of this franchise as he well. He edited all of them, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. is important. I think it's important as well. To have Very important to the it. styling of it, yeah. Um, but but to uh, to respond about The Exorcist briefly, I, I, I think that the reason that it is, the reason that all these movies are playing it so safe is because they see what happens when they don't. They don't make money. Everybody hates bo- hate bombs it on, on Twitter um, when when they when they take risks, people don't seem to appreciate it as much. And I'm not saying that as a, a blanket statement. I, I'm just saying that studios like doing the easiest, safest thing to guarantee the box office return. Um, that's why all these franchises have a Force Awakens, where you bring back older actors and you basically redo the first film again, or kind of recreate certain sequences, or or whatever uh, basic iconography type things. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the one thing which I think is interesting to point out, though, is that th- this comes from the house. Well, not not essentially from the house, but the Exorcist one does as well. With David Gone Green is that Jason Blumhouse would be the sort of the antithesis mm-hmm. of that because he keeps the budgets low and they make decisions where it's not in for the audience's interest; it's in for the characters. And I've always quite liked his his ideology of making horror. You make it cheap. You make it effective. You pump it out there. If it does well, we make another one. But we'll always be proud of the actual entity we put out. And I think he's made some mistakes. But ultimately, around uh, down the road, that, say whatever you say about the David Gordon Green sequels to Halloween. And I don't mind the th- I don't mind the second one. I'm not. I, I can't. I've got to watch the third one again. But to me, I, I just block that out. But there was, yeah, yeah. But but I appreciate. And I really do honestly openly say this. I do appreciate that there was an effort to distinctively make those different. It, Halloween Ends is not the same film as, as what the, the previous Halloweens were in a, in, a, in a similar way where it wanted to look at, at Cora. It wanted to look at the town. I think Halloween Kills is an interesting one where you, you, you give the audience like what Michael is on, on, on like steroids. So they, they do. there is a distinctive difference there. I'll probably be led to believe that Exorcist Believer is going to be very different. However... That trailer does not inspire me at all, and I think the issue with Saw is that if it, it had a little bit of the Jason Blumhouse DNA, is that it would keep these budgets down and it would make creative decisions where, yeah, the audience might not like it, but it would still be beneficial for him, the studio, and the film, all to make their own men's make makes money. Jason Blumhouse puts another film out and Saw's out, and it's different. 
I think that's the reason that I'm slightly worried with the reception of Spiral. I don't think Spiral was bad because it had Chris Rock and Samuel Jackson in. I think it was poor because it took the DNA of what Saw was and echoed it into a very different sentiment. So I think if they could get that right, which I, th I, tr I think they've really tried to do that here, and I think it's worked. Um, the fact that Saw, Saw 1 is rated like 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. This has got 86 at the current time of recording. That's not that's not right. <laughs> that's not normal. That's not that's not shouldn't be normal. So I just hope there's that because I, I, I appreciate. I know if you put your money where this film is, you want it to make you want it to make more money. I appreciate that. I just think that horror shouldn't be safe. If it was safe, you wouldn't have had The Exorcist in the first place. I mean, William Freakin, you know, rest his soul, made creative decisions there where you 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 want the guy to come save the day, um, Father Merritt. I don't think that's going to happen, sweetheart. Or you know, you want Father Karras to like you know be a you know be this resting here. I don't think that's going to happen. The guy lost his faith. You know, do we, do we want um, Linda Blair to say PG thirteen words? No, she's going to say horrific comments, and it's going to make you uncomfortable. But again, that's a seventies that's a seventies temper temperament compared to a twenty twenty three one, I think, as well. Sorry, Jack. Regarding the Halloween sequels, I can take you to McDonald's and serve you dog shit on a <laughs> bun, and it's different, but it doesn't mean it's good. Um, There's an appreciation there, though. I'm sure they, they, they serve me something different than whatever the chicken nuggets are. But I, I, I'll concede sure. to that point. I'm, I'm not going to argue against that. I think with the horror, the biggest thing I would like kind of push back on your point, Kyle. I mean, not that that's not what studios are doing. I hope with films like Barbarian that take risks and do unique things that have a good reception, get good box office. Like hopefully we're seeing a change in theology with horror. I think when it comes to franchises like Saw, there's this very like family element to a lot of these horror franchises that I really appreciate. Jack, mm -hmm. I know we both watched Child's Play recently, mm -hmm. that franchise um, we saw in 2019, how they try to take that away from them. Didn't do that well. And now they're back with the TV show and that's the creators and cast who've been through all of them there's a family element there insidious patrick wilson just directed that i like mm -hmm. that they're keeping that in the family mm -hmm. saw they're keeping in the family uh conjuring to uh, the most part they're keeping in the um family as far as the actual like sequels i think that is the key is having people who are willing to take risks with horror but do it when they understand and have a respect for the franchise and the audience it's when you have outsiders come in like david gordon green for halloween or you have the people who made the new texas chainsaw massacre on netflix where they're taking risks and it's not respectful to the audience and it's not respectful to the franchise and that's where you get that disconnect if you have that understanding i think that's where it works beautifully you just have to then also have faith though in these names who to step up and have those positions but i think saw luckily i mean say what you want about spiral i like the film overall but like that film i think there's a very clear course correct now with saw 10 and the direction moving forward i think the spiral universe is dead i don't think we're ever going back to chris rock and no yeah next i think that they're seeing that if we keep this within the family we keep this to where it's respectful to this franchise and what audiences want to the most part with these characters if we put tobin bell back out there if we put amanda back out there there is a payoff there, and I hope that that's the theology that these horror franchises have moving forward. I think The Exorcist, and I think those films are going to do really bad, both critically and with money. Um, I Hopefully that ideology is dying as we speak. Mm. Yeah, Kyle, what, what, what did you think of the Candyman reboot, just out of curiosity? I don't think I've read your review of it. Oh, I, I quite liked it. I thought, yeah. that, I thought that that was one that was respectful of the original yes. and, and kind of tried to expand on the ideas. Uh, it wasn't like maybe wasn't 
it didn't have the depth that maybe it should have to be like a masterpiece, but I thought that it was a very enjoyable, very well shot, very uh, yeah. eerie film. I, 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 I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I would agree with exactly what you've said. And I think that the reason why I like that film as well is that because it doesn't rest on the laurels of its previous entities, that because obviously two or three of them were shit. Uh, we'll get that straight away. There's only yeah. one one. It's the first one. But it still it had it echoed its visuals. It echoed its eeriness. But it was also indulgent in the fact that it wanted to explore the mythology but not rest on Tony Todd's shoulders. And it did give the audience what it wanted in that final sequence, which I still think is so effective because they de-aged him Great. respectfully. He's only in it for two seconds, but it still was led by Yaya um, Abdul Mahin. And I think that is how you do it. And the fact that they've not wanted to give um, the director that, I do forget her name, she's incredibly talented. I think she's doing, she's doing something. Nia DaCosta. Yeah, she's, she's doing, doing the Marvels. Marvels, yeah, which... You know, you know, get get your get your bread. It's like what, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah you know, because you won't you might not get the opportunity again. Um, but I think that uh, the, f- the fact that people haven't been like, we need to give, we need to do the sequel here because we've we've got it out of the way now. Let's explore our universe. That's what worries me about horror. It just feels like there's a lot of people out there who want to make money off of the previous entities, and at least with Saw. Sure. You've got this this pre-existing notion that we're going to get references to previous entities, and we're going to get very similar elements of it. But we will have distinctive set pieces. They do feel different, but they all feel connected in a really strange way. And it doesn't doesn't feel like if you watch one of them, that none of them sell out in a way of that strange. Whereas I do think that 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 felt very similar with Spiral in the sense of why is Chris? Because I remember um, I remember reading about this like on IMDb. Chris Rock is is going to uh, wants to make a, um, a Saw film. And I was like, is this a joke? And then, lord and behold, two years later, he's done it. I, I like that it's different. I like the fact that it's different. But there's different reasons why that failed for me. But again, if you can if you can honour something like Candyman did, like you can with Saw, I think you can really... You've got it over now. But where does... The, the difference is, is that, that those characters are new. It can evolve. This now has had four attempts to make new characters to justify a new legacies and all of them have failed. So it does need to find a lead actor or actress to really go forward with this. And where this film ends, I don't think it does service to what it can go forward anyway because it's still going to be stuck between two and two and three now. There's no there's no way they can they can sort of again it's like a quick book they've got it out of the system but the the the, the very short-sighted money making there's no um, foresight here for me personally. It'd be interesting to see where they take it, but they're going to have to find someone, and they're going to have to find someone quick. Because if, if Chris Rock and Samuel Jackson couldn't do it, and and you know, and, and the guy who played Logan Nelson, I just don't know where this this then heads me for the future. It sort of gives me a little bit of like ick. I don't know what I just don't know what to suggest either. I mean, the soft franchise. The issue is just like the format and how they've decided to play this narrative throughout the first seven features, eight features. Like, there's almost no room to have that connection and set up something new, right? Like, yeah. we know the narrative. It's not like you can just say, "Oh, there was another person there who like learned everything about Jigsaw. He's dead, though." So you have to, enjoy- and also the gimmick is like all the new characters die in the scene in the traps, right? So like, it's really hard to introduce someone new unless to. they want to be something crazy, like the little boy in this grew up and decided to become a too. <laughs> I have like, to. I don't. I have to push know. back here. First and foremost, about that little kid, I generally thought that was going to be Max Mangella in uh, in Spiral. I was <laughs> waiting for that. Second of all, they do, they do, and and he's he's an actor who keeps on cropping up. He was in Operation Fortune. He was in The Last Mission Impossible. Carrie Elwes. That's what I was going to say. Just give yeah. Him. Sure. It, it, it feels so natural to do that, and also 
he's having a second win now. If you don't do it now, and he's in the public uh, the, the public sphere of, of, of being indulged in, working with Guy Ritchie and, and again, work, working on Mission Impossible, I think it's the time to do it. I just think that he's got issues. I think if anyone's read the history of this, he wasn't perhaps paid what he thinks he was owed on the first one. And the fact that there was ultimately trying to reuse his character in a way of pro- proportionately trying to bring other characters into it in the second and third one, I think he's probably owed a few bits of more. Because the first one, he is the key in that to make that work. Lee Winnell is, is also very good, but he's the key to get people to watch that. So I appreciate it. Pay him what he wants. Keep the budget down. I'm sure, he, I don't. I think he's a very well-off individual, but I think that's where you go with this. The fact that they can't get him to do that, and it's been, what, almost 19 years, I think is probably a testament that it will never happen. Although never say never, we've seen Stranger Things, ironically on Netflix. But I do think that he's the one to bring this uh, to bring this forward, and it feels like it's so ready for them to do that now. You know, because then you can then indulge in Jigsaw, you can then indulge in Spiral in, in strange ways. You can keep a you can keep a mythology by keeping it uh, thing. And also, he is a very stoic. As Lawrence Gordon is a very stoic character, anywhere you know. Um, if if the, if the, his if his blood cameo in Saw Seven is anything to to be indulged in, perhaps we'll have to have a conversation. But um, there definitely feels like that's the next evolution. The fact they haven't done that would concern me more. If Ellen, I just Bur- feel like that option's not there. Yeah. That's like what it reads to me is just like. It's not happening. Ellen Burstyn almost broke her spine in 1973 to make The Exorcist. The only reason why she's doing David Gordon Green a favor is because she's being paid a massive bag. She's, she said that on public record. That's the only reason. Pay him his money. Give the audience something. Pay him what he's due as well because he's, he's been a fighter for that franchise for a long time. He's part of the makeup of it. Just pay him and then get it over and done with. There's a lot of this thing about, like you said, though, the fact that it hasn't been done probably said more than, than anything really, but yeah. sorry to interrupt, Carson. Yeah, I don't think Lionsgate has that kind of money. They don't have Jason Blum money. Uh, Ooh, what, like, yeah. what franchises do they have right now besides Saw? Hellboy? <laughs> well, that's um, we're getting that late. I think we're getting that early, later this year. We're getting that next year, and that's by the Crank duo. So I have absolutely mm-hmm. no infinity of that being good. I just, it's just not the same aesthetic. Well, <laughs> it's just, it, I, I mean, I, 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 you, Cal, we might be back here in a bit and talk about. Did you see the new Hellboy? Wasn't it amazing? I don't. <laughs> if, if Stephen Graham dressed as a pig in one of the films doesn't do its service, I don't think that that this Hellboy is going to do it very well. I but like I, the Crank guys, even though they make I do. bad movies. Yeah, I do. I like I like yeah. the first two Crank films. I just think that you're right. Where does the money come from? Where do yeah. you invest with? But I think this will do a bob. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of residuals to pay off as well. I think there's a lot lot of people percentage points who have taken gross and not taken upfront salaries so it'd be interesting hey, to let's hope us. the hunger games makes a lot oh, of money shit, yeah, I, forgot about hunger games, yeah. I think like when you look at carrie i mean peace and love respect i like him a lot as an actor i think it's very clear right now he's taking jobs that also just have a lot of money if you notice who he's working with he works a lot with netflix he does holiday movies and stranger things he's in mission impossible he's not necessarily taking roles right now that i see that are like um passion projects let's say like oh i'm gonna do this for saw because i really like saw hey maybe i'm proven wrong i agree i think he would be a great like direction for this um i just don't I don't think he's interested, but just, hopefully. Yeah, I just think that the fact that they've got Tobin Bell back and it's a clear indication to Lionsgate that familiarity is a key to success here and that it wants to self-examine itself internally about a character. He, he's primed for it. Perfect. So for me as a producer, if that worked and you can't milk that cow for, for as long as they have done, 
it would only feel a natural fit then to bring him in as that that's fit and also bring him into the, the we don't we, we've only got an indication of their relationship it's always been it was always rumored and it was always like easter eggs in the franchise i always remember being on message boards like where is where is lawrence gordon where's dr gordon stuff like that and um and it was always like, oh, you know, if, if not for some reason, and then to get the seventh one, the reveal, it was quite good. But there's still, again, that mythology to see that there's a lot of time there to spend with not only him and a Jigsaw, but also him and if Shawnee Smith and, and uh, the guy who plays Matt Hoffman are in there as well. Because there's a lot then you can then brood off and, and then rupture off. So there's a lot there to get it over the line. But I think that's the only conceivable direction where this finds major success. And also the teaser trailer of him on it like it just oh, you know if done done right i just hope this is if done right this could be quite um an interesting second wind but it's just that faith you've got and modern modern hollywood i don't really have that faith in them unfortunately i just don't see them going to you know to the next the next yeah. obvious success but i could be wrong you know I'm not gonna lie, they were really hyping up the credit scene in this movie. Like, even like saw Twitter account was like, stay in your seat, like stay for the credits. There was a moment where I was like, are we gonna get like a split end credit scene with him where it's like cuts to modern or cuts to like him in a bar watching like the news oh. and like I thought I thought there was a moment there. Didn't get it, but <laughs> I would have liked it. Yeah. I mean th- th- we've seen strange things happen in this franchise beforehand, so I- it wouldn't surprise me if something drastic happened that we had twin brothers or there was someone twin brothers would be the best <laughs> you know you, you think you, you could i would accept it I'd be like yeah okay uh, that does not yeah. surprise me but i think i think in all seriousness it's got one way forward and i think it would be so good if they could do that uh, and because i know that, that i i'm there's there's very big rumors it's been for a while but i, I think it's pretty much connected is that the next insidious that comes out will be a connective tissue with it with sinister now, if that's the case and it does well, then that's fair enough. I think that those two meld. I don't want to see this do anything like it, but in the same token, there's a lot there to play with. You know, I just it'd be interesting. I think the next evolution of horror, if we go back to gore, I mean, uh, Eli Roth with, with Thanksgiving, we're going back to roots here. We're, we're making gore-filled projects, so it'd be interesting. I think elevated horror will be there, but gore will take over for a little bit now, and I'm I'm quite glad that we're going to have that second wind. You know? Well, yeah, horror's kind of going back to like a being really fucking sick and twisted, like like Barbarian, and like mm-hmm. they're kind of appealing to the weirdos out there, like us, um, <laughs> who who, who <laughs> yeah, right. because, because because for a while in like the two thousands or the twenty tens, it was it was a lot of found footage, it was a lot of like very very basic horror. And and now and now we're getting some more spice. We're getting barbarian and even something derivative like smile has has a mean streak to it. Yes. Um, yeah. I feel like um, the, I feel like the two are connected as well, Kyle, in a way that the if you look at the Ari Aster type of of thematic with Midsummer uh, and, and and Hereditary that it takes principal horror motifs, haunted house, um, and then the Wicker Man stuff like that, like the actual people in the whimsical land. But then, then crafts them with really interesting uh, thematic and, and, and character-driven arcs. I feel Barbarian will, in the long run, will feel like. Granted, there's probably been a few more of them. Don't get me wrong. I think Insidious was one to do it as well. It's specifically with the, with the Conjuring, is that they're melding the two together now in a way that we're getting gore, which at one point you couldn't give, you can do gore and have a have a really good mytho- psychological character driven piece around it had to be one or the other because the time just wasn't there for the audience here barbarian felt like oh right this is interesting we're getting the, the body horror 
but also we're getting um, a little bit of like uh, substance here. And I think Saw here was like, I think the 40 minutes of him going through the, the cancer treatment definitely felt like a conscious decision to, to meld them together. And I think for the long yes. run, I'd say it, was, it, it did quite well. If it can carry that on, you can look at other things. Because, you know, there, there was one where we had the insurance salesman, um, the health insurance salesman, then did dictate if he would, we should live or die. I think there's stuff like that now where it would just absolutely bang. I think it would do really well. Um, yeah. But, like I said, it, it'll all depend where that trajectory goes. But if, if they can get that out, and, and I think that this is in safe hands. There's a lot of material there for this to, to echo, and certainly there should be no excuse. Can I... Uh... Am I the only one that's bothered by this being Saw X and not Saw Nine? Because yes. uh, Spiral is a spinoff. No. Yes, it bothers me. I, I know, I know, I know. It just fits into Saw not giving a fuck about chronological, like anything chronological or timeline wise. But, but, but it, it's a spiral from the book of Saw, implying a spinoff. It's in, but it's in the book. It's in the book of Saw. Let's be clear. <laughs> Look, Tobin Bell was a picture in there. I look, I am appreciative that like okay. whatever you want to say about Spiral, this is acknowledging and confirming like it's one of these films, right? We're holding it as one of our franchise one in the franchise. You're okay. not ignoring okay. it, you're not okay. hiding it. Maybe that's just me. I have no issues with that. Also cuz I think Saw X is a banger title and I don't know if we're ever going to get it like get another one. So the Saw X is great. Thing, yeah. like yeah. I love it. I yeah, think what- that's great. It does annoy me. I, I think so, the fact that it's called Sorex is like just classic Saw. I think it's like gets away with it. I think the, the, I think the, I disagree. I think the Addisons themselves were spiral slightly, which I think is very very unfortunate. I will say what annoyed me is that the opening a massive Sorex, the ending a massive Sorex. Like I get it, I, I do get it. You don't need to, to really indulge on that. There's a massive logo on the screen of him going into the MRI scan. I was like, this is a different film. Um, but yeah, those are the other things that were slightly annoying about it. But yes, Sorex would like looks like a gear lever as well. Like, we could have done something there, but fair enough. I hope Saw Eleven uses the just like one one, just like Saw Two did. So it just is the exact same title, but it means different. <laughs> I love it. I would. I wouldn't put it past them at this. No, point I wouldn't either. I, I, that generally would wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I don't know. I really like overall kind of wrapping up. Maybe like. I have issues, obviously, with Saw X, like I have with most Saw films. But, like, ultimately, did I get to go sit in a cinema? Did I get to see Tobin Bell be Jigsaw? Did I get to see people, like, cut off their legs in traps? Did I get to see the fucking amazing, like, green aesthetic and, like, all the visual aesthetics and the editing that I want from this franchise? Did I get the Lionsgate Gears logo? Did I get the fucking Twisted Pictures logo? Like, yeah, I did. Did I get to hear that fucking soundtrack, that song? (laughs) Yes, I fucking did. So, like, as a Saw fan, did it give everything? Was it... the magnum opus was it you know my mama mia 2 of the franchise no but damn was it still fun and like i don't know i am very appreciative that i got to go have that theatrical experience so i am overall definitely a fan of saw x i i'm with you i'm with you i this gave me a lot of what i was wanting out of spiral a couple years ago it gave me that that feeling of like okay i'm finally watching a classic saw film in the theater with the with the kooky twists and the and the corniness and just the the go for broke attitude of we're, we're gonna do it. I had a blast. I had a great theater experience with it. A lot of people were there, and they they all seemed to be enjoying themselves, having a great time. So yeah, I, I recommend it. It's a fun movie. I'm good. How nice to see horror just like with a full like audience. Mine was almost sold out. Like, I, and they were I, reactive. They were laughing. They were ooh at the gross parts. Like, that was really nice to I, see. I went to a ten forty five p.m. screening, and like it was it was packed. 
it was packed. Yeah, people were out there for it. I, I went to like a 6.25, hours, about nine people in there, but it was it was full of couples and I was on my own. <laughs> it was quite awkward. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree with you too. I didn't go into this expecting anything more than I got, and I, and I don't think that, that to be a de, to, to disparaging sort of statement to make. It was, it was really decent. It was exactly what I wanted it to be, which was just a Saw film. I didn't expect it to be anything more silly, anything more stupid, but it was a, it was it was it was engaging enough in what it was. It was fine. Um, I will say that the only only issues I sort of had with it, I just thought it could have been more in a way that I feel like there was a, there was a there was an extra evolution they could take. But I think it's more just discussing about the fact that we're going to get that we could get that next. So it, there's nothing disparaging about the actual feature itself. Anyone who wants to go in here, who, who's a fan of the franchise. Will will get exactly what they want to. I'd be shocked that anyone who liked the other ones went into this with like one star. I think it's absolutely fine. I know I know Max who, who couldn't could make it here today. Is he like four and a half four and a half out of five? I wouldn't go that far. I think it's I think it's a strong three. But it, it but that in a franchise that's had such misses, I think it's completely fine. I think it's a, as a start point as a, as a second origin story to re, reassess itself again. I'm fine with that. I do have one major issue, and Carson's mentioned it. I don't think we got that 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 theme enough because it fakes us out as well. It start it doesn't start it when it ends. We have it twice. We have it when when we have like a weird, strange version of it when he get, finds about the cancer being a fake or the the, the operation, and then we get it again um, when when uh, she's like getting locked up with with, uh, with with whatever his face is with like um, Jason Statham light, which I thought was very strange. And then we don't. We got it again. We're in the mid mid credit sequence, but we never got it to end the credits when it's almost a game over. And I was just waiting for that. But you know, there's nine of them now, isn't there? There's ten of them, so it's fair enough. But but that was the only thing I was like, oh, you really didn't do that for me. But other than that, anyone going into this is going to have absolute fun. I think people who like horror are going to indulge in this as well. So if anyone's out there thinking, should I go or not? I would go. I would just. I think. You'll find something here, and I think those people who didn't like Spiral will like will like this, and I think people who like Spiral will like this. I think it does a really good job of melding the two together. Um, but expecting anything different, madness. I don't think this is going to change the world at all. But it's a really good starting off point. Agreed. That's going to do it for our Saw X review. So you can go see this in cinemas now. Uh, let's go to our rapid reviews. This is a segment where we can talk about anything we've seen recently that we want to quickly mention. Jack, I'll turn it over to you first. Oh, what yeah. have you seen recently? I've been I've obviously done a few festival stuff, but I have been doing my, my Hooptober quite early because I, had, I just don't, I wouldn't have the time. I'm going to do Noir November as well, but I've been watching some like strange horror stuff. I've been watching... Um, the Ward, John Carpenter's film. I watched uh, Village of the Damned, Poltergeist two and three. The first House features, which were very strange. I watched all the the three Dark Men and stuff. Um, the Liam Neeson, the Sam Raimi thing. Um, I've had like different returns of it. I did watch Prince of Darkness last night, um, which I thought was good. But really, I've been I've been gearing towards more Exorcist sort of stuff because obviously we're going to touch on it on, on this this podcast. They've just done it on Gems, which I couldn't I couldn't make last night, um, but. I've been watching the two. I've watched the extended cut. I've watched the Fear of God documentary on BBC iPlayer. I think you can find it on YouTube, which is a 1998 25th anniversary um, documentary about its production. Very interesting. Very interesting. They should have got a leap of faith documentary about William Freakin talking about. I'm going to watch that tonight. So I've just been indulging on the Exorcist, you see. So that's why I'm a bit more um, def- defensive about the 19th century version. I will say this. Um, people are going to skin me alive for the same thing, but I'm going to say anyway. 
my, my wife's staying with me at the moment, so she, she lives in America, and uh, I just I, I made her watch The Exorcist, but we didn't want to watch it in television in the front room, it was too cold. So we watched it on my iPad in 4K in my bedroom, and none of us, none of us, um, moved, moved our eyes away from the screen for two hours and three minutes. It was just, it was just like watching something back on the cinema screen, and she really enjoyed it. Uh, and it was just really interesting to see a film from 1973, almost 50 years later, still hold up so well with its sound design and its production. It was, it was sort of invaluable to watch as well during horror. So I just wanted to give a bit of a plaudit to The Exorcist. But after this, after with a few more gems episodes, talking about sequels and stuff like that, I'm hopefully going to be scamming down on it because it, diminishing returns is is a definition under that franchise in itself. David hey, Lynch maybe they're shivered. saving the best. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know, I could feel it in my water. I've, I've, I've offended quite a few people. I hope we don't get any letters through, but, you know, email away. I'm sure I'll read them. Kyle, what have you seen recently? It's been a pretty light month for movies uh, for me. I've mostly been watching a, a TV show, Mr. Robot. Uh, I'm going through that right now, and it's and it's excellent. It's 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 very 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 good. Um, but my my biggest film experience lately is I saw 2001 for the first time at the Alamo, <gasps> um, and it was unbelievable. Um, my friend had been telling me for years because he got to see the 4K re-release uh, on film uh, a few years ago when they remastered it, um, and he was like, "You got to wait to see this movie in a theater if you can." And I, I got the opportunity. I saw that it was there, and it was it was fucking fantastic. It was such an amazing experience. Everyone there was like so into it. It wasn't really what I expected, but 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 like that that is the the film experience that I've I've had recently that really stuck with me. I, I'm at, besides I'm that, India. just besides that, just some rewatches. Children of Men, one of my favorites. <gasps> um, uh, Watchmen, uh, fun. Oh, one of, my, one of my favorite Zack Snyder's. Yeah, um, for sure. I watched that new "No One Will Save You" on um, on Hulu, which was which was fun. It was it was a fun movie. Um, besides that, yeah, bottoms. Which um which version of Watchmen did you watch, Kyle? I just watched the theatrical because I was uh, I was watching it over Amazon Watch Party with a friend, and it was the one that was on there. Um, oh wow! Okay. I previously had only seen the director's cut of it. So it yeah. was interesting to go back to the theatrical. It does feel a little more rushed in the theatrical, but um, it's a good movie. For a long, for a long time, you couldn't watch the ultimate director's cut here. You just it, it was never available. So I watched it in the US when I went in twenty seventeen. I was like, I've never seen the ultimate. Is the one that adds the graphic novel. Portion, yeah, it, it is like to say that then is like bloated as an understatement. It's like, <laughs> but um, it's interesting because it's like it tries to meld the two together. But um, I think you can actually watch it in this country now. You can you can buy it buy it on uh, on demand, but. That's the only version I've seen recently, but that is a like that's such an underrated venture to watch. Yes, Watchmen. How he managed yes, to get it on screen, I don't. I'm not overly a fan of Snyder's work in the latter years, no. but that is an achievement in its own right that that should be justified as being applauded, undoubtedly. Larry, our Watchmen was just proof that Zack Snyder needs to stop being his own cinematographer. He needs to get Larry Fong back Indeed. because Larry Fong shoots beautiful things, and uh, Rebel Moon does not look beautiful at all. Ooh, well, we'll see. <laughs> hey, can wait for our Clappercast episode on it. <laughs> um, for me, I will quickly mention I had a Gareth Edwards double feature this week because I watched oh. Monsters and then I watched obviously the creator, his new one. And I was like, 
there's a lot of directors I really stand. We talk about Neil Blomkamp and like, even though I don't like his films, I'm like, oh, you know, I really like him. I got really like mad at the concept of Gareth Edwards because this <laughs> man, I'm sorry. Because I thought Monsters was like, I've heard it's really good. I watched it. I was like, oh, it's very boring. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this man throughout the 2010s and like in context, there's so many filmmakers who would kill for an opportunity, right? Gareth Edwards has had now had two opportunities with Star Wars and Godzilla to enter and have these defining features in these big franchises, both times created really fucking boring stories with boring characters with an interesting world and interesting eye, which is his gimmick. He has an interesting lens. He views the world through and view narrative through. And then he just like squanders it. I would say did the same thing with monsters. So I was like, this man like has had three chances. Now the creator better be good. And the creator is exactly the same. Or has wow. interesting gimmicks, interesting ideas, and does nothing with it, and is just boring by the end. And I'm like, this man now has had four fucking chances, three big opportunities. If you want to cut out monsters, to do something original and do two tied to bigger properties. If you want to claim it's because the bigger properties that he, those films did not turn out, then you look at the creator and it does the same exact thing. To see this man get three, I don't know. I just like got really mad at Gareth Edwards. Which peace and love. I assume he's like a nice guy. I don't know him. Like no hate towards him as like a human but as a filmmaker i was like i never want to see another feature from you and i want to see every opportunity you get go to someone else who will do something with it Ooh. i got really upset I'm, um, cu- I'm curious would yeah. you not extend that thought process to neil Blom- blomkamp because uh, to me they're very similar like technical yeah. filmmakers but they lack in substance to a point. So I think number one, at least Blomkamp has District 9, which I think is like the film he wanted to make and then he was just stuck being a filmmaker. I have no love for Elysium. Fuck that film. (laughs) Uh, But like, even his later films, like Chappie, I think there's a a swing to do something, and I think he does try his best and just like fails for various reasons. Even Demonic, like, look, is a piece of shit film, but like, it is him trying to do something. We all had our weird COVID obsessions. Like, I at least respect that Blomkamp really feels he goes out there in tries his best to do mm-hmm. something in every single effort except maybe Gran Turismo but that's also just like I think a payday and just he wants to have work good on him for that Gareth Edwards it doesn't feel like fully commits to that and he just accepts like creating a three star film and that frustrates me I'm, Fair enough. So, I'm shocked with that because of, of the two projects he's done which is which is with Warner Brothers and uh, with um, with Disney obviously is two properties that he can't really evolve because the in Godzilla Toho give, give the American um uh, auctioneer off, which is what Warner Brothers. Only so many things they can do with the characters. They weren't allowed to put King Ghidorah in in the first one because there's too many. He wasn't wasn't allowed to king, kill Mothra off in the second film. So there's there's pre uh, pre motifs there that you can't touch upon. So I, I appreciate that. And then with with the Rogue One thing, where it ultimately was taken out of his hands and re-edited. If he wants to, if if put some maybes, I'm sure. But ultimately, at the end of the day, they brought someone else in to to touch it up. And I think he's probably this, the mortal sin of a director. Once that's done. That's not your film anymore. So the fact that you're talking about the creator, which has got the chance of being explosive and not held between the ideas, what he can do for it to be quite mundane. I'm quite shocked by that. That's unfortunate. I'll probably get round to watching that this week or something. But yeah, I'm is, seeing it this week. So yeah, I've heard, I've heard good. I've heard like it's an 85 million three star film. I've, there's nothing wrong with that, but. Um, oh, it's visually like brilliant. That's, all of his films are, like visually great, yeah, and like none of them are like disastrous, right? Like it's a three star film that like there's definitely good elements and good moments, but it's just like if you have these huge opportunities to not like go for it, I just find very frustrating when there's so many creators who would kill to have yeah. that budget, who, who would kill to have the opportunity. Who's the credit to screenwriter on the creator? Is it him? I think it is him. Let me confirm. It is screenplay by him and Chris um, 
well, whites. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, to, to think about what a Gareth Edwards film would be without pre-established characters in the Star Wars universe is, is interesting proposition as well. But again, it's like it's strange that he's chosen two things on the bounce that he, he wasn't able to like kill anyone off if he wanted to in a certain in a certain. Drama. Obviously, he, he kills everyone off in Rogue One, but um, granted, I think there's a lot more to do with uh, the uh, the Gilroy than than with him. But yeah, I, that, that 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 shocks me. That does shock me. I mean. Is he going to make a Gran Turismo? That's all I'm going to say. Is he going to bring people back? I don't think so. I don't think Neil Blomkamp did, to be fair, but another story. <laughs> I mean, we, saw the bo- we saw the box office. It wasn't, yeah. um, wasn't a great one. I was um, there. I... So were you. <laughs> hey, we were. Kyle, were you? <laughs> nope. Well, uh, no, I we, was we, 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 there's no pointing fingers, but you know. Although I heard it's an all right movie to watch on digital, so I might catch it when it's when it's there uh, do you know do you know about the ending to it and, it's, and this is going to sound silly but in a, the, he uses a certain piece of music that's very famous in another piece of mu- film by Michael no, Mann I don't, I don't know what you're referencing no he uses a certain Moby song in the ending of Heat to, to make his film feel more emotional and then when you've got Jerry Horner on the phone who's, who's basically sport, uh, whatever Spice Girl she is go yes that is excellent her <laughs> son's like almost died Oh my god, I am so sad. That is terrifying. Puts a phone down on him. You don't deserve to use Moby. God who um, God who moves over the face of water. Oh god. I wasn't happy with that. I mentioned that in my review. I wasn't happy. But you know, we moved, don't we? I'm sure we'll be moving on. I don't know if Neil will, but we'll get there. Yeah, well, let's drive on <laughs> to our question of the week, um, which is asking, very simple, what's your favourite Saw film? Kyle? Which one of these 10 films really stuck out to you? Or is it going to be the short film? I would accept that too. I'd say there's 11 options here. Okay. So, um, the best Saw film, I'd say, is the first one. But my favorite, I'm going to do my favorite, and it's Saw 6. Saw 6 is great. Saw 6 has the best traps of the franchise. It has the best overall game. That was the one you mentioned earlier, Jack, with the uh, the healthcare as a mm-hmm. thematic element. I think I think that adds another layer. And then that's the also the one that kind of has a parallel plot with Hoffman being found out um, for being Jigsaw. It's just a very exciting, very big chapter in the franchise um, that lays the tracks well for a good final chapter. We didn't get a good final chapter, but we <laughs> we. Um, it's just, it's a really exciting, really fun, really campy film. Like, that is that is peak saw to me. Uh, do you know, I, I, I really struggled with this one because I've got about three. I think I think the, the objective choice is number one. I, I think I, I think the first three are, are quite good. Uh, I do also like six in a strange way. I also like four in another weird way. However, um, I think my favourite is the third one. That is the film that made me want to watch this franchise. I remember the ending where the, the gun goes off, especially with the head scalp thing. There's so much grim iconography in that. And then when you rewatch it, it's such an interesting parallel narrative that comes together and you just don't think that's going to happen the way it does, um, especially when it when, when they're both climatized uh, at the end. It's like, oh, wow, that's well done, because it just doesn't bring any emphasis to each of them. They just feel like two separate ones. Um, I'm going to say my third one. I think the extended director's cut of it's really good as well. I think it's about five, six minutes longer and a lot more depth into it. That being said, I do want to give a little bit of a shout out to the second one. That second film had such difficulty to get over the, how good the first twist was. And it's a very different film. But um, to, to, again, to do the, a similar one to the third one with the, with the narratives, it, 
to, to a displacement of time and, and space in, in terms of one was happening before the other, not that it was on a different galaxy or anything, but um, I also think that's pretty good plaudits as well. But if I had to choose, I think the third one's solid. A really good trilogy, the, thir- the first the first two, first first three. And then I think you could probably argue with Kyle's idea, I think if you put the fourth, fifth and sixth one together, I think you've probably also got a solid one. But, but for me personally, I think the third one is, 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 is undoubtedly the highlight. Probably I'll go one, three, two, and then after that, I'd, 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 I'd probably struggle. Yeah, my truth is Saw Six is easily the best one. I think that one's like phenomenal. But I'm want to be different, so I'm not. I'm not even gonna say the first one because that's the easy answer. I'm gonna go Saw Two. Oh, this wow. is a film I hated the first time I did my watch through the series. I don't know why, but I rewatched it ahead of Saw X, and I was like, oh, this movie bangs. In a lot of ways, it reminds me, and don't take this the wrong way, of Escape Room Two, Tournament of Champions. Okay. Um, where it takes a concept from the first film, right? And it's this very condensed thing, and then you, okay, this is a Saw trap. How do you evolve that? Do you just do it again? And what it does is it adds so many layers of, I like the cast they have so much. And I think it also helps that they have banger traps over and over. The traps are super super fun um and you add this really intense story with the detective and the angle with his son being in it like i think all that works and then the ending reveal like they do it again they have the first twist obviously in the first film which is like iconic awesome and then you have this one it like hits again you're like holy shit like yes and i think that helps define like that the saw franchise what it becomes right i think the fact that they were able to pull off magic twice set the series up to have 10 entries i think if saw two fail to capture that you don't have the interest moving forward to create what is ending up being created um i really appreciated saw two but like yes saw six is phenomenal and i agree with jack the first three like an excellent trilogy um but i don't know there's also a part of me that like I appreciate that it's genuinely good. Those first three, the campiness of the like six, seven, like hits in a very different way. Um, I don't think I've ever had more fun watching a movie than saw the final chapter where I would literally was like cheering <laughs> because of this, this dumbest fan service. So fun. Um, but I think my answer is going to be saw two today, but also on the poll, I'll put the first saw. Cause I know we all mentioned it. Saw two maybe has the best opening trap with the key in the eye. Oh my God. Yeah. Man. Fucking love that. Yeah. Do you know, weird, I don't know how you two felt about this, but once I finished this film, I wanted to go back and watch this franchise again. But the, the one I wanted to go back the most, ironically enough, is Saw 2. I don't know if that's because chronologically, subconsciously, it was like, this is this is after what I, I want to see what Jigsaw was like. I was like, I want to just see the big game. Because Saw 1 is a very different, intimate type of dwelling. Yes. Saw 2 is yeah. what starts the Saw franchise. Yeah. Saw 1 is like a different thing. It's much slower. There's not as much on-screen violence. It's not about the traps. Two kind of starts the the Saw franchise that we know and love. Yeah, yeah it feels like Friday the Thirteenth, but the third chapter it feels like exactly it was the second exactly. evolution. Yeah, really yeah. good as well. Yeah, and to get it get it right the second time, like oof. you don't realize how like big that was at the time. I think they also get it right in the fourth one as well with with where they go with certain um, other characters. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. So I think, luckily, I mean, I'd say we all like a lot of the franchise and we all recommend again that you go see Saw X. That's going to do it for our episode today. Kyle, where can we find you on social media? Uh, You guys can follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Kyle Craigbaum. That's K-R-I-E-G-H-B-A-U-M. I I also have a podcast. It is on an indefinite hiatus, but you can still go back and listen to it. Uh, It's Cinema Kyle and Jordan's Cinema Shakedown. You can find that on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get podcasts. 
link in the description a very fun podcast yes everyone i think if you're a fan of Clappercast, like this style like you would definitely appreciate their work very very fun jordan and carol are really good fun as well yeah definitely Jack, where can we find you on social uh, media? I'm, I'm going to do the Twitter one, just because I don't want to feel left out. But you can find me on whatever that place is, um, with at Jaluk Sharp. <laughs> and you can find, I'm not paying for it, I'm not aware. But you can find me on, on Clapper and uh, uh, Letterboxd, watching some like, strange shit every week now. Um, with the username at Jaluk Sharp, just a cesspool of watching strange films. But get on that era, it's so good. <laughs> Yeah. As long as it's free, you can also find me on Twitter at BP <laughs> underscore movie reviews, Letterbox, just Carson Tamar. Thank you so much for listening. This weekend, this is not the only episode of Clappercast coming out. There was a key double feature. I know we did Barbenheimer earlier in the year. This was the weekend of Saw Patrol, and where every other podcast I know is going to skip Paw Patrol too. If you are a longtime fan of the podcast, you know the first Paw Patrol hit differently for the Clappercast group. So me and Paul will be back later this week, hopefully soon, um, to discuss Paw Patrol the Mighty Movie. Um, take that, the creator. You didn't even get an episode. We picked Paw Patrol over you. Um, so I think with that, That's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.